0: Welcome to the Friday Workplace Briefing. Workplace law changes so quickly. Tune in weekly to find out how the law is changing and what you need to do.
1: Good on there, how are you?
0: Good thanks,
1: Andrew. How are you? <laughs> we've both driven in here at speed to get here. I've parked a block and a half way and run to get here. On time. i think mean,
0: Because the weather's nice, everyone's decided to come to the. City. Can I just say something
1: to I'm running to help with your PT. Can I? I just can't believe that. <laughs> okay, well we've got some we've got some interesting stuff today. Obviously, yeah. we're going to be talking about social media and use, but really, sort of breaking news, I guess, is yeah. the um, the cranial. Court's case that's come out.
0: Yeah, the prosecution, it's finished. Yeah. Again, the and this,
1: this was with a young solicitor who was, as part of the course, what you saw is traumatic and damaging material. And the findings effectively wasn't an appropriate system to manage that. Very, very tragic story, but at the end result, $380,000 fine?
0: And convicted. And convicted. Because they found a whole lot of other complaints about toxic workplace, intimidation, awful, awful, horrible behaviour. But it is this big news because it's the first time WorkSafe have brought a safe prosecution, not just for bullying in terms of psychological hazard. It's oh, or sexual about.
1: harassment, yeah. Yeah. But, yeah. but for a crude trauma, which is, can I just say, and this is salutary warning for all of us, I mean, in our business we've... I've done about 350 serious injuries and fatalities, which means we seal off photographs of what have occurred to ensure that people are safe. But, you know, I worked as a nurse prior to that. There's a whole lot of jobs where people are visited by trauma or things that can affect them emotionally, and clearly it's an obligation on the employer in those circumstances to actually measure that level of risk and provide appropriate controls around it. So, I look, fascinating case. Because of the tragedy that's involved, and I don't want to delve into too greatly, to be honest. But as Nina says, it is the fire over the bow that says, yeah, "Yeah, it is a tipping point." And it basically says that if you fail to manage psychological risks, <laughs> which are duty. yeah, which are not in the top three of sexual harassment, bullying, and workplace tr- yeah, trauma yeah. and work, it's not going to change. And the fine is substantial, and it's just a primary duty breach.
0: Yeah, but I think this is giving them more confidence. Yeah, just the end the witch. Yeah, and they're going to start pursuing the other more easy-to-go psychological hazards like high jump demands, which is affecting every workplace. Like, we've seen it with the test case that they were trying to bring with NAB with the unions. Like, it's only a matter of time.
1: It is. And, look, we've got the VBA case that started already. Mm. So there's cases that are sitting around. So that's one thing that's been sort of hot off the press in a way. The second one is New South Wales... <laughs> And their inability to make a decision, really. <laughs> you know, we're gonna talk a little bit. There's been some legislative change that have come through which have doubled the penalty for recklessness to ten ten years jail. And, ten years, yeah. and I think something like six or eight is it ten, I don't know, how much ME million you can be fined now this I
0: think it's almost ten million.
1: Yeah. But there was sort of a sort of what they did because they hadn't brought in industrial manslaughter of like everyone else but Tasmania. <laughs> but at the same time as doing this, because there's a gross negligence test in New South Wales, which is part of recklessness, which is in fact almost an identical test to workplace manslaughter in Victoria. So they've increased that to ten years and now they're saying, okay, well, we're going to introduce industrial manslaughter next year. Yeah. What's happening? So one sort of you've got to wonder what happens. Yeah, like,
0: it's like two different they have got kind of sort of
1: halfway yeah. to try yeah. and deal with not having it. When they get it, are they going to drop it back to five years and all that? I don't know, but if they don't you'll find Victoria and Western Australia, Queensland and South Australia doubling their penalties again. And we're going to have this crazy situation where throughout Australia, once again, different tests will apply for recklessness, different penalties will apply for it. It It's just nonsense. Anyway, we could go on about that, couldn't we? All right, let's just go to our first case that we really want to talk about. Yeah, so, and that's dealing with Overseas employees and this was an American employee who was employed to work in Argentina Mm -hmm. by an Australian business and the place of contract was Australia. That's where the digital contract was formed. This is not easy law, can I just say, but it has massive consequences because if Australian law applies and this was a general protections claim that was brought.
0: And it was a jurisdictional objection saying they weren't covered by the federal Yeah,
1: like then you've got this issue of Australian safety law applying, arguably the workers
0: compensation,
1: workers' compensation, privacy law. And remember, privacy law is very different throughout the world, so it has a very, it's a very strong regime in Europe. South America, it's almost an absent regime. So... What this does, it means if you're contracting, the forum of contracting is Australia, then it's an Australian contract, therefore Australian law applies.
0: Yeah, I think the test was it had to be performing work outside of Australia and that the contract wasn't formed, formed in Australia. Australia. So there's two That's tests. the only way you can be the exception. Yeah. Yeah.
1: In the old days, this used to be called the the postal acceptance rule. So in the in the area, era place in which you accepted the contract, yeah, signed it and right. posted it. That used to be the forum. But now, because it's digital, if you're sending it from your digital thing and someone signs it and it's accepted here, then because this is the place of DocuSign, I'm afraid.
0: So I could be anywhere in the world and I sign it and you're in Australia and then it becomes. Yeah, I'm that the store, employer. Because so you're the one who's receiving yeah. it. Okay. Gotcha. All right.
1: Scary, isn't it? Think about that. (laughs) Okay. I just, fun. Look, this is something which we've got two cases today, one on ignoring consultants and one on not having very good consultants. Probably I went too far. But this is one about ignoring consultants. Nina.
0: Yeah, so this one was, I think, an interesting case because they built it to be so much bigger than it was. Like originally, so it, it was involving a mine and, the superintendent of the mine had gone in to inspect the walls because four workers had come out and said sediment was falling down. When the superintendent went to inspect it, it fell and crushed him. And the fact that I think 10 extra people had been coming in and out, they said it was extremely serious and they brought reckless conduct charges against the organisation and the CEO. 14 charges, and they were up for a maximum penalty of $35 million dollars.
1: What did the consultant say first before we come back to what happened?
0: Yeah, no, 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 Wait, I'll get there, I'll get there. But eventually it wound way back to just four simple charges for failing to breach and what really sunk them was the fact that they had received advice from a consultant that raised this risk yes. and who had outlined how they could easily fix it and they ignored it. They did nothing about it and The key thing, which I'm getting to, you (laughs) can calm down, is that (laughs) (laughs) it wasn't covered under legal professional privilege. So all the time when there is a safety incident, we always advise clients to engage a consultant under privilege to go in and do an investigation to find out what was wrong and how to fix it. If it's done under legal professional privilege, that report is not accessible to WorkSafe. And we've had cases where when a client does it themselves, out of best interest because they're wanting to get it fixed. WorkSafe will then make a section 100 request to request it, and they can use that to form the basis of the prosecution. And like uh, we saw in this case, really helped the evidence.
1: Well, the other one is just do what you're told <laughs> by the consultant's advice. I mean, if you're going to do it not under privilege,
0: yeah, that's then true. you've got
1: a gun pointed at your head, and you're really going to yeah. say. Do you feel lucky, punk? You know, it's, it's sort of clinician stuff, really, oh my isn't God. it? <laughs> and,
0: by the way, delay is not an excuse. If you say, oh, we we're going to get around to it, that doesn't fly
1: anymore. No, no, it doesn't fly. Just make sure it's dopey. All right. We're going to move on to the next case, which is... <laughs>
0: All right, I'll do it. You're clearly... Just...
1: <laughs> so I'm going to you... say the wrong thing, aren't I? Yeah, really? you
0: are. So this is a small business employer who terminated an employee because they didn't follow weeks which struck instructions and often acted beyond their role the problem was they didn't comply with the small business fair, small business, business fair code. dismissal code because they didn't let the employee know that the meetings were disciplinary meetings didn't in the warnings didn't let them know there was risk of termination created a performance improvement plan and then didn't comply with it <laughs> and their whole defense is around the fact that hey we engage a third-party consultant so we shouldn't be liable for this and it was one of those generic, I'm being, <laughs>
1: now I'm, can i Can okay. I just say, if you buy dumb advice, you're just as liable as having no advice at all. That's it, the truth. It was,
0: yeah, one of those generic services <laughs> which just give you a bunch of templates but no tailored advice. And they did, just applied it without really thinking it through, such as creating a performance improvement plan and not following it. And so they got slapped.
1: <laughs> <Can> I, well, <laughs> Nina and I constantly see off-the-shelf advice from I'll call it off the shelf sometimes in person so it's somebody who fell off the shelf oh my gosh but safety advice and HR advice and I just want to be clear about it getting dumb advice doesn't help you it creates a liability for you you either get good advice pay for it then determine a am I going to get it under privilege, or b am I going to follow it but taking something off the shelf and trying to plug it in to a business doesn't doesn't work work because all safety and all HR is built around process and consultation mm-hmm. so in other words you're going to have to fashion it to meet your business and that you actually need some skills okay yeah all right well let's jump ahead we're moving okay New South Wales 3HS bill <laughs> well, <laughs> well what I can, I well, can I just got to laugh at them, don't you so I'll tell you oh what it is they've moved category one offenses which is recklessness and that also can involve gross negligence From nearly four million to ten and a half million. That's
0: huge.
1: Yeah, officers can move from about eight hundred thousand to two million, and And other
0: individuals is one million. Yeah,
1: and off to jail for ten years. The reason they did this is, well, who knows what goes on in New South Wales WorkSafe and the legislators? But what they did really is this is a halfway house because they didn't have industrial manslaughter. They had one under the Crimes Act, very hard to prove. The answer is the only sensible answer is this: some sort of sop that they can lift it up a little bit for the more serious sides. And now they're going to introduce industrial manslaughter. It's sort of like putting the cart before the horse, isn't it, really? But
0: to be honest, in every other jurisdiction, it's kind of the same in that although industrial manslaughter has been introduced, they're all just turning to
1: reckless, endangerment. reckless
0: endangerment. Well, they're,
1: they're, 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 pleading, them, pleading, they're, they're pleading them down. But it's easy yeah. to prove industrial manslaughter and there's recklessness. And that's the difference. Yeah, this whole it's regime totally is stuffed. Because it is so much easier to prove the more serious offence and the subjective intent yeah. that sits around reckless endangerment. So this is just another piece of nonsense in our safety regulation where we're now going to have Australia having every different jurisdiction different again, and it is just calamitous really, isn't it?
0: The other changes were extending the insurance ban. So yeah. all the contracts that have it are automatically void now. they have made that explicitly clear. And I think new police, police powers. powers around the gig economy, which I don't know is going to make a whole lot of difference. It's only relevant to the gig economy, and it forces them to issue penalty notice if they're not providing proper PPE for yeah. delivery drivers.
1: Anyway, let's keep following New South Wales. That'll be fun. WA have amended their workers' comp legislation. There's some interesting parts in that. Some not that. Bigger difference. They've moved from 13 weeks to 26 weeks as the preliminary insurance period, which is really the no-fault part of it. What they have done, again, only WA would do something like this, is they've banned employers. Are, now. No, no, no. WA is crazy in this stuff. Is they've banned employers and insurers coming along to medical appointments
0: Oh, yeah, for I did the, hear for about the that, fear yeah.
1: of discriminate, which is absolute crock. One of the biggest problems when people go to see doctors who are injured is there is no proper and reliable evidence as to the inherent nature of the work, yeah. nor is there any proper discussion had about return to work. So what they've just done is torn up 20 years of really good practice in returning people to work in a safe manner and also making sure that the assessment of a person against their inherent requirements is actually accurate. Yeah. So yeah. it's a nonsense, but it's in there. So is I'm going to drag things out even longer
0: now to yeah. return employees back yeah. to work.
1: Okay. On um, to the main topic. I'm not really happy with legislators at the moment, oh. as you've probably guessed. But let's go to the major topic, which is social media, the do's and don'ts. I want to talk to you briefly about we've got three cases. I'm not sure we've got them up as labels, actually. But we no, have so Drasivic is a Victorian full court, Supreme Court case around privacy. Let's before we talk too much about it, let's just talk. There are two elements to social media. One is is it in work or out of work? Because obviously if someone is doing something in social media on at work time it is a work related activity okay yeah like if you're on LinkedIn for
0: example yeah,
1: therefore yeah. we can we can kick to the second question very easily on that but what are the real risk is when someone hits social media when they're out of work and that is the Rose and Telstra question that we've talked about conduct yeah. yeah so is it something which damages their capacity to return to work is it something that damages the reputation of the organization or is it fundamentally inconsistent with their contract of employment? So if I publish something on social media saying FCW is the worst business that ever existed, which would be silly because I'm an owner, but if I was to do that, it would be reasonable for the business to say, well, that's absolutely inconsistent with the continuation of your employment and it damages the reputation of the organisation. Therefore, I can deal with it in a disciplinary circumstance. So the next question that comes out of Jurassic is, okay, good. Then am I allowed to look at a post if I have high privacy settings because – it contains personal and sensitive information, including that view contains personal and sensitive information about. And what they said is very simply, before we get caught up in the clutter of noise that sits around this, privacy law will apply to the extent you seek to assert privacy. So if you put high privacy settings, then you can't easily look at that. And that's changed by a couple of things. One, if on that social media, you identify yourself as an employer of an employer that or, or could, you could be reasonably said to be an employee of an employer.
0: Like when they wear a uniform. Yeah, that type
1: of thing. <laughs> well, at that stage, you've torn up your privacy partner yeah. because what you're actually doing is representing yourself as yeah. part of the employer. But if you're not that, and that's what your aesthetic is, then there is an exception to privacy law that says under this this doctrine, if what you said was something that creates a workplace risk or harm. It could be to the organisation or to an individual. And if in us seeking your consent, as we would be obliged to, because the high privacy centre, it provides you with an opportunity to eliminate or remove that post, then you're entitled to view it and rely upon that post as a matter of law in any investigation and disciplinary process. Okay? Now, that's not hard, is it?
0: It's because safety trumps privacy.
1: That's it. Mm. So when we look at the other cases that have come up, we've seen some really interesting. I think there's the the very recent case from the cloud and Project Day Day. That
0: one was so weird. And
1: I'm going to refresh my memory on that. That is, yeah, the two unfair dismissal applications where they looked at social media from a person
0: who wasn't an, was an employee.
1: And you see at that stage, there is no lawful way that you can look at that person because that is not a person who's publishing a post whilst they're an employee. End of story. Unfortunately, with this, this case law, it's so badly argued before the Commission and what comes out of the Commission is so ordinary that we don't see the underlying principles that apply.
0: No, because they, they're more focused on the fact that it was around breach of confidentiality because they were discussing salaries and stuff like that. But the way that they found the information was, you're right, they went through a previous employee's phone, uh, sorry, work phone who had logged in and the employee's another employee logged in and read those posts and then reported it back to the employer.
1: Yeah.
0: So how could that possibly be deemed to be okay?
1: Yeah. Well, it's unlawful. And the problem is when you get on something unlawful, the question is, are you then allowed to rely upon that in a court? And there's a number of discretions. Teresivik has a very limited role under which you can rely on those, and that's what the case is about. And, look, we've seen a couple of other cases. We saw Thompson and 360 Finance, which was a guy who published some rude memes about a girl, the girl let it go the first time, said, don't do it, and he went and did it again. There's a whole lot of those cases, but where they go to hurt or affect somebody, then, and they're out of work, Rosenthalstra says we can look at them. The next question is, is there something, is there a privacy wall that sits in front of us? And the answer is, yes, if there is a privacy wall, because there's high privacy settings, then you can penetrate that privacy where there is a risk that in the investigative process it will be damaged by the way this is exactly the same thinking that goes on where we stand someone down we stand someone down so they can't interfere in the investigation yeah. we we they're really willing and able to work but the law says there is an exception to protect the integrity of evidence yeah. in I the investigation does that make sense i hope so because you can't respond <laughs> <laughs>
0: Oh, my God. <laughs> oh, it's been a long we, we have to publish this? <laughs> <laughs> did we have to go live?
1: Then? Okay, so let's go to the case study now. Okay, and this will be fun because Nina and I haven't talked about this one, and I did this one at between nine fifteen and nine thirty oh this my morning.
0: Gosh, I was driving. Guns for Hire lawyers DL had a strict social media policy, which included a prohibition on publishing anything on social media identifying yourself as an employee, harassing or otherwise improperly treating another employee. The policy was an off-the-shelf policy and had an out-of-hours coverage clause for misconduct and confidentiality clause. David, a senior lawyer, was sick and tired of the weekly performance check-ins run by a HR consultant with his principal. Rather than mentoring and developing him, it was more like a performance improvement plan. He explained to both it was not a helpful process. His work work was unstructured and a huge volume, which meant he could never keep up and it was stressing him. Their response was that he needs to be prioritising his work. He was feeling confused, stressed, and was having trouble sleeping. After a few drinks one night, he superimposed a pig's head on the principal's website photo with a speech balloon (laughs) saying, yes, we love you, but here are 3,000 things we want you to give priority. Where did you go with this? It went onto his Instagram account, which did not identify him as an employee, and he had no work friends on his account. It had the highest privacy setting and he was a member of the old St Kevin's rowing club, as was the HR consultant's husband, Trevor. Trevor showed his wife, took a screenshot and provided it to the CEO and principal. David was called into a meeting, offered a support person and then summarily dismissed by the CEO.
1: There you go. (laughs) How about that? (laughs)
0: How do you come up with this? (laughs) Was David's dismissal an unfair dismissal?
1: Okay. Well, what are our four tests? The first one is
0: valid reason. Was it
1: a valid reason? Mm, God, it's close to not being a valid reason, isn't it? I think
0: it's a valid reason. I think you can argue that that is misconduct. Okay.
1: Well, let's say it's misconduct.
0: Yeah. I mean, the you, you bullied someone. Like, what do you mean? If if I did that to you, that's not okay.
1: <laughs> you get me there. Like, <laughs> <laughs> we should be saying, "Come to the next meeting." You'd have to read it and understand it, but you get the I snort. <laughs> okay,
0: so, so valid reason. Okay, and obviously, although it's we should go through the out of bounds yep. conduct and everything like that. Yep. Although he's not made it clear that he's an employee, the fact that he could cause harm to another person, it's making fun of them, I think is enough. Uh, okay,
1: we'll know. stop there. The problem is it's got a high privacy setting, no other employee, nobody would recognize that person as the CEO. Well,
0: so this guy recognised, well, how else could Trevor break <laughs> it? Well, you know, just there was enough
1: there to. to, to raise you're, you're reading between the lines. <laughs> but I'm just saying, at that stage, this is not, I'm just trying to think of the name of the, the Aboriginal, the case about the Aboriginal organisation, where the guy who was a um, helping young men with drinking, not helping them drink, but helping them managing drinking and violence, got drunk on the weekend and. Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. It's name escapes me, it normally doesn't. But anyway, and he was locked up and then he was terminated and the court said, yeah, well, look, when your job is preventing people from harming themselves and harming others and you go and do just that, then you meet all three tests. You damage the reputation, it's inconsistent with your job and you're placing others at risk. So you get it. But he wasn't, he was just making a comment and put a pig's head on.
0: I think. Even if you don't say it's like the reputational damage, the moment it came to the principal's attention, that's misconduct. You, they know it's about them.
1: They do. Okay, I don't. just want to test.
0: It, it causes harm. Like, yeah.
1: Okay. But yeah, so I think the real issue with this is when you look at the issue as a whole, you could not summarily terminate this guy. You could give him a warning. So it's unreasonable. You've got to a yeah, stage well, where the the. Punishment doesn't fit the crime. Yeah, well, they
0: didn't even do a show-cause process. Well, just, like, just, yeah. just
1: pretend like <laughs> yeah. they okay. did. But I'm saying here the level of naughtiness is pretty low.
0: Yeah, you'd give him a warning.
1: you give him a warning, him a warning and, and probably pork for a week. Okay, so that's the first question. Second, <laughs> oh could David's dissonance to give rise to a successful general protections claim?
0: Well, it would the, the dismissal would have to have been because of a protected attribute or his safety complaint. But he isn't, I don't think...
1: Well, you've gotta, you got to wonder why something, either, either the principal's a very brutal character or there's something else that's playing on his mind like the criticisms being made of the performance improvement process and the raising of the safety issue. I, I think it's but got but a general protection the smell about it. I don't
0: know. Like, I don't think... Someone terminate. or well, I don't think they'd be terminating because he's complaining. I think, yeah, performance maybe, but that's not a general
1: no, protection. No, no, no. I think he's raised complaints. He said he doesn't feel safe and then they get him in on but a pig's not head. But they're terminating and
0: him because of that.
1: But remember, it's the reverse onus to is going to be hard to set, sell,
0: isn't it? I would defend this case oh, I know you. <laughs>
1: you'd defend any case, though, particularly if someone was wearing <laughs> a pig's head. Could David have brought a workers' compensation claim because of the poor conduct of the HR consultant? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, and course. a winner too, I would have thought. Yeah. Absolute winner. Yeah,
0: and definitely safety breaches.
1: Okay, talk me through the safety
0: breaches. Well, he's identified several psychological hazards, you know, this high workload, It's not clear on his expectations, no support. They're just telling him to just no, do re- No reward
1: and recognition.
0: Yeah, just constant. And he's sought extra help with it and they've just refused him. So I think, yeah. In that case, it's definitely yeah. safety. Procedures. I think if
1: you've got that, that many safety problems, your general protection is starting to look a little bit better. That's...
0: But it has to be because of that. That's the missing thing.
1: Yeah, that's not the way it plays out, though. Is oh.
0: it? <laughs> All right, thanks for joining. I'm on a really <laughs> weird kind of work day.
1: Yeah, thank you for tolerating. What
0: happens this? when I come back? <laughs>
1: The pig's head, what can I say? You know, the godfather could have been a horse's head, but this thing was a pig's head, all right?
0: Thanks so much. Glad to have you back there. Give, give us a thumbs
1: up. Yeah, give us a thumbs up. See you later, bye bye. bye.